What's going on, everybody? My name is Mike Toledo. How are you guys doing? Well, I had a real crazy week last or last week and a half or so. Uh, DentTimePDR.com site. That's the podcast site. DentTimePDR.com site was down. Didn't even know it. Uh, the, the company that uh, hosts my whole thing, my uh, website and domain name. Now, I have a specific website. Before we did the other venture and do actually having a a website division company, I had this site. Anyways, it got taken down and uh, they were responsible for it. I don't even know how it got mixed up, but we're back up. So right now my guest is going to be Dave Shalott and then uh, you guys will hear Phil Martinen. Or actually it could be the other way around, but uh, we're going to get right into it. Be sure to share the podcast on your favorite social media channels. Yeah, we're going to get into it, all right. Wondering how you can show your love? Head over now to Facebook and drop a like. So we're going to give uh, Dave Shalott a call. Actually, I guess we're going to put him up first. Kind of going out of order here. So if you were paying attention to this uh, podcast and you're going, wait a minute, I thought he was talking to him first and not first. Uh, I do things a little different. Got Dave, 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 Shaw. Code in. What are you doing, man? Waiting for you to call. <laughs> I'm like a dent guy. I just wait around for the phone to call, right? That's what all the dealers and all the wholesalers think. Yeah. We just wait for them to call so we can run over there and pop a dent out. Exactly. I, I thought you were going to call. Why? Gosh, dang, I couldn't wait to do that car for 50 bucks. So. Exactly. <laughs> uh, just you and me, or are there more people? No, it's just it's just me and you. I You know, I had a, a person on earlier, um, and he kept, you know, he's messaging me, and, and he called me earlier and he said, Mike, he's a new tech. And he just got a new dealership, and uh, he's asking me, "Hey, wh- what do you think the price structure should be?" And yada yada. And I said, "Honestly, um, technically, you don't want to go walk in there without any stipulations, and you really should have a contract." That's basically where I left it at our last. Our, I just got off the segment with him, and I said, "Tell you what, well, I'm probably gonna, if I'm going to reach out to Dave Shalott, he's a master at that. He's got his obviously his own price guide stuff in there, and." So that's why I'm calling you, and I awesome. and we need to refresh these people, and and you need to come on every now and then, and and remind people about uh, the way you do business and and how to help them. Uh, you know, I'm not telling you to give all your secrets away, but I mean, kind of give the base of, of, of how things go. But before you do that, though, yeah, I want you to introduce yourself briefly, where you uh, where you started and and where you're at now. Hey, Mike, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm David Shalott. I'm a 30-year PDR technician, and that's a lie. I'll be 30 years next year, but 29 years this year, uh, PDR technician. I started with Dent Wizard in 1991. I was very fortunate to be trained by Lido. A lot of you know him as Natalio Balderrama, uh, and I've had a, a great career, a great run in the industry. Been exposed to a lot of things through my affiliation with Dent Wizard and, and, uh, and others along the way. Uh, had great opportunities with dealerships, with hail, with commercial accounts, with auctions, uh, rental car companies, a little bit of retail. Uh, and it's kind of come circling uh, full circle back to me here uh, after I moved to Arizona from the Chicago area. 
Nice, man. You have a lot of history too. Plus, you've got how many how many miles you got on far as like flying from one continent to the other? <laughs> well, that's a that's a that's a great uh, that's a great question, and and I'm so fortunate, and I've had uh, so many opportunities. I spent three years in Europe, and I literally flew back and forth, you know, across the Atlantic at least once a month of, over a three year period, and uh, and I was on assignment from Dent Wizard when they made an acquisition. Uh, of a reconditioning organization there. And uh, last summer, I uh, was it last summer or the summer before, it doesn't matter. I had just passed the 2 million mile mark on American Airlines, oh which gosh. is crazy. And, and you know, what that does, it, it gives you a little, it gives you a lifetime benefit award, which is really nice. Uh, so whenever I travel, if, if I don't travel any longer, uh, when I do travel, I still maintain that uh, that threshold, so I'll never uh, drop below that that threshold that American extends to their million and two million mile uh, frequent flyer customers. I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. Gene Fetty and I were traveling for Kiko here last year, and um, we were getting ready to get on the plane. And I always board first because that's part of the priority piece with my with my mileage and my time in the air. And so we were walking down the jet bridge to the airplane. And uh, there was a gentleman being escorted by uh, airline personnel up the stairs. You know, they've got those outside stairs that go down from the jet bridge right at the base of the airplane, right? Yeah. And so this gentleman was being escorted up, and they stopped us. You know, we were full speed ahead, going to jump on the airplane and have a quick beverage before takeoff. And they stopped us and allowed this gentleman to, to proceed before us. And I kind of chuckled, and I looked at Gene, and Gene was thinking, my gosh, what's happening? You know, Dave's got all these miles and this, this, you know, uh, uh, status with American. And we looked down and the guy had a, like a 5 million mile tag on his bag. So I didn't rank that night, but oh. it was a good story. And, you know, unfortunately that guy, I'm sure, you know, I don't want to say he has no life, but uh, it's, 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 uh, it sounds glamorous on the surface, but when you're on the road like that and, you know, the, the hail technicians, the catastrophe guys like that to travel, it's tough to be on the road and, and uh, I've been there and done it. And boy, I tell you what, I'm happy to, to go home and sleep in my bed virtually every night. Let me ask you a question. Were any of your kids born on the plane? None of my kids were born on the plane. No, sir. <laughs> or saying. conceived on the plane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's even crazier. Yeah, so, so what have you been up to th these days? I mean, are you, you still doing, um, you know, events and traveling and, and, and uh, seminars and training for Akiko? Well, that's kind of uh, that's kind of slowed with the with the uh, during COVID season, shall I call it that? Um, there's not been that kind of activity uh, or very minimal activity, let's put it that way, because you know there is you know it, geographically you know throughout the states there are different levels of of lockdown, right, and different levels of yeah. uh, isolation and containment. So. I'm fortunate. We, uh, as automotive in Arizona, were deemed essential and never closed. And, and there are other parts of the country that weren't so fortunate. And I have friends that have been uh, displaced, out of work, put on furlough, you know, uh, waiting on the on the stimulus checks, et cetera. And I'm sure you do as well. Uh, you know, you know these guys that are uh, they're scraping, right? They're hurting. Yep, I do. And knock on wood, fortunate. I've been I've been active. So what have I been doing? I've been servicing my accounts here locally that I have. 
and uh, taking the ball and running with it. Knock on wood, been fortunate to be able to do that. Do you mainly do wholesale or do you have some retail? What's, your, what, what's the percentage like on that? The, the bulk of my business is a wholesale dealer and uh, body shop route. And that probably makes up about 80 or 85% of my business. Yep. The other, you know, the remaining 10 or 15% then falls into that retail or, you know, special project category. And I term, you know, I term wholesale really, I, I keep that as a, as a term internally. I don't like to hear my retail customers hear the word wholesale, and I don't like my uh, retail customers to hear the word retail either. I, I've kind of changed that around a little bit where I'm, if I'm in front of an individual customer, which we would know as retail, I term it my volume customers rather than wholesale because I don't want them to get confused on pricing or think there's this big uh, disparity in pricing. Uh-huh. And, and also I don't want them to think that they're paying full retail. So I call them an individual customer. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. I like the terminology. That's and it makes sense to the customer. It makes them feel like you're not, uh, and they're an individual. You're, not, you're not holding, yeah, you're not holding like a status quo over them or, or you know, like you're not priority or you're, or I'm gouging you or you're not gouging you, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and I hold I hold pretty steady on my pricing in terms of consistency for both, you know, volume and individual customers. But the bulk of it is is the volume customer and it just has morphed that way. And I'm not gonna slam anybody that's, you know, full retail or full individual customer by any means. But what I like about my setup is it's a diverse uh, it's a diverse nature. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, Dave, you, the reason why I brought you on too is because you know, you are even though you don't look it, but you're pretty damn smart and uh, you're pretty bright. <laughs> I had a jab. Well, I, I had a jab at you, Dave. That. I had a jab at you, Dave. I'll take that as a compliment. I'm sure it was in, intended as one. <laughs> and besides you being a foodie, you are a uh, you're you, you're a pretty smart guy on as far as the aspect of of whole, I would say volume pricing. And I'd like to get into, I'd like to pick your brain about that. Cause I think we all still need to be educated on that. I think it's, it's a weak point. Uh, and in this industry is the volume, the dealerships wholesale, as you would, as we all knew it or know it. Sure. Um, so what, what do you, what do you have any advice for like Phil? Cause he's, he said, I, you know, I got my first dealership. I don't know what to really present to them far as pricing. I don't know how to go about it. I do. He goes, I am aware that, He's got a matrix inside of, inside of uh, Mobile Tech RX, but he's still concerned on how he should, you know, approach the the uh, the dealership. Right. So that matrix inside Mobile Tech RX is something I put together, and it's an overview and it's a guide. It's not set in stone, but it's a guide, and more so about the number, meaning you know your price. More so is the volume and and the parameters that you put in place with your customer prior to beginning a relationship or beginning work with them. This would kind of be in the initial stages, right? And I had a phone call. I'll tell you this quick story as an example. I had a phone call from a, a, a higher end, a domestic higher end a Cadillac dealership, and their vendor has not been showing up for a while. He's, uh, he's got some medical conditions. He's got some pre-existing conditions and he's not working. Uh, during this COVID crisis, 
And he flat out told his customer, if you need to find someone else, I completely understand. Go ahead and do that. So they called and, and we had a conversation. And the first question out of uh, all of the reconditioning goes through the service department in this particular case. And the first question out of the service director's mouth was, how much do you charge? Yeah. Yep. And I, and I looked him squarely in the eye and I said, I'm terribly sorry, but if that's your first question out of the box, I don't think we're, this is, we're not going to have a conducive relationship. And I don't think anyone's ever spoken to him like that. Now I was, I was, I was very calm. I wasn't arrogant or, you know, you know, knuckleheaded. I maintained my composure, but I flat out said, if price is your main concern, this is not a, a business relationship I want to get in. Right. Yep. It's difficult. And it takes a little, it, it takes a set to say that. And I think he was taken aback and surprised by my answer. And I said, what I'd like to discuss with you is your pre-owned sales volume, not used cars. I like to use the term pre-owned. I'd like to discuss with you your pre-owned sales volume. I'd like to know what the parameters are for your CPO program so that I know what needs to be done. And I'd also then like to know what your previous vendor was doing and what it is you would like to see from me and how I can help you uh, as my customer. What can I do for you? I could walk in there, Mike, and beat my chest all day long and show photos and brag and, you know, scream and yell and pound my chest. But that's not, that's not the right approach. You've got to ask questions and listen to what your customer tells you. They're going to give you the information you need to then put forth appropriate pricing based on the volume or what you can predict or, or determine from that conversation. And, and Dave, before we get any further on that, can you just explain uh, the terminology you were mentioning, CPO? What does that mean to, to the listeners? A CPO is certified pre-owned. I'm sorry. Okay. So, you know, multiple manufacturers have different criteria for their certified pre-owned program. And we all hear the commercials on the radio or the TV you know, it's passed a 225-point inspection or whatever the, the manufacturers and the dealers put out on their, on their commercials. So certified pre-owned has its own set of parameters because the manufacturer is standing behind a car that has been previously uh, uh, owned and driven, but not to, uh, not to an extent that exceeds uh, normal wear and tear, so to speak. Or it's a vehicle that can be brought back to near new conditions uh, with some minor uh, minor repairs, both mechanically and cosmetically. Certain manufacturers mandate on a certified pre-owned that there are no dents on the car. Uh, there's no more than one or two panels that have been painted, things of that nature. So it varies from manufacturer to manufacturer. But I wanted to know what the parameters were in this case for General Motors or Ally Financial, and in particular then Cadillac, because this was the flagship store uh, you know, of, of the General Motors brand, that high-end luxury domestic Cadillac. So, you know, as the conversation went on, I think we had a, a pretty good understanding that this was not going to be a walk in the park for either of us. And I don't know. I've not heard back yet from that account, and that's on my to-do list to follow up with them. But it was one of those things where the first thing yeah. out, of, out of the customer's mouth was how much. Yeah. And I, deflect, I deflected it. Yep, and I, I think that's it. Well, it, if anything, it just it just shows the integrity and it shows that hey, hey, let's just cut the bull crap out, you know, um, because I'm not. Yeah, you're right. I, I we're too old. We're, we've been in the game too long to to be put up with that and be thrown around back and forth in the washer and dryer like that. It's just, and that's the thing is that you you're not going to get not, like let's put it this way, Dave. 
not every dealership or an account is, is your account, even though you're capable and they can hire you. But what are you willing to, to basically stoop down to basically? Right. Right, Dave. I mean, you're, you're asking, right. you're asking to be treated a certain way. Um, you're dictating how you want to be traded. That's basically what you're saying. It, it's tough when you're on the spot like that, Mike, because you go in and I, I, I'm going to tell you, I was excited when I got the phone call. I didn't go out looking for this account. And so in my mind, I thought, boy, if I could land this, this is free money. Yeah. And by that, I mean, I didn't have to knock on any doors. I didn't have to sell anything. I didn't have to come back three or four times to speak to someone. This was, this was someone coming to me. This was, you know, potentially free money. And so I put together my little uh, uh, presentation for them. And again, we'll see where the chips fall here shortly, but it's difficult when you're put in that spot in the first question. And, and again, you get the phone call, Hey, are you interested in this account? Or I heard you did a nice job over here. Could you come and help me with a dent? It's very easy as a technician, uh, certainly if you're starting out or if you're a little slow, if there's a pandemic going on, right, to jump on that and just run in there and go, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, you're like the dog who's just happy, happy, happy to see you and his tongue sticking out and you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. But it's difficult to sit there and, and slow it down and bring it back on your terms and say, I need to make sure that this is going to be a relationship that is worthwhile for both of us. It's conducive. It's a two-way street and something I can build and hold on to for three, five, 10, 15, 30 years, whatever, you know, your time frame is and what you, what you foresee from that account and what you want to do. Right. And then what, once you get past that point, let's say, say your scenarios, when, when you do get past that challenge, um, the term that come to terms with that what's next on on the agenda for that as far as the uh, as the discussion goes well my discussion went into after we discussed what the previous vendor had been doing and why the the particular dealership was uh, instituting a change I, I fully wanted to understand that and i helped i helped both the service director and then their inventory manager uh, answer that question because i i again i i asked questions but i presented it in a fashion where uh, it's not my business because it's not, but could you please explain to me what the current situation is with your current vendor? Because if you'd like me to help, I need to know some, in, you know, I, I need the information so I can cater and adjust and uh, provide a service that you're looking for. And so that's where I got the information. So it moved, you know, into what the previous vendor was doing, why they were wanting to make a change and what kind of volume uh, that previous vendor had. And I think as it turns out, I think my, my presentation and my, my estimate to them on a, on a general basis, I think I was about $10 higher than where their previous vendor was uh, just for conversation pieces right now. But as it moved forward, then I put forth my presentation that has a lot of parameters and, and they're simple parameters, but there are four or five stages to it. And the, the big one that everyone wants to know is generally speaking, what do you charge that again, back to the first question out of the service director's mouth on that previous story. And I have a, I have a price that I'm comfortable with. I'm competitive with in my market. And I also describe 
what that price is going to get my customer. Okay. And my terminology is very simple. It is preferred paintless dent repair PDR pricing based on a minimum amount of work per week. You need to make that fit your dealership, your area, your demographic. You know, you may have a used car department that sells 35 cars a month, and you may have one that sells 400 cars a month, depending where you are in the country. It's obviously a big, uh, big footprint here in, in North America. And, you know, a, a small dealer in, you know, in an area like my hometown, which is uh, just outside the St. Louis area, they're not going to sell 400 cars a month. It's not possible. It's just not there because it's not that size of a, of a town, right? So I can't go, you know, prescribing to someone else across the halfway across the country that you need to mandate, you know, 25 cars a week. That may just not be realistic. So you have to put together a pricing guide and a, and a description that fits the volume of the account you're looking to go after. Now, do you, you have, do you have a formula for that though? Like like it's if they based a, let's say they they sell a hundred and like a, a decently busy dealership sells about one hundred and fifty cars a month. Do you have sure. a formula like you have a chart that you show them, or you have is it in your own chart? Like you sit there and go, okay, uh, this is what it. And it doesn't matter if it's a Lexus dealership or a Toyota dealership. I don't have a chart in terms of the volume, but what I do know with my time in the industry is that on average about 52% of the vehicles that are being sold or or in this case reconditioned right as a as a pre-owned vehicle through a through a uh, through the used car department i'm going to tell you about 52 maybe a touch higher uh, percent of the vehicles on average need some for, some form of reconditioning certainly uh, dent repair mostly dent repair is is uh, is in that category and uh, that that statistic also comes from a big auction group here in uh, here in the country, Mannheim Auto Auctions, and they also had a they also had a per panel, uh, you know, number of panels per vehicle average as well, and I'm trying to remember that number, and I thought it was something like 2.5 or 2.7 panels per vehicle needed dent repair. Yeah, yeah. I was so on on that. average, yeah, right, on average. And again, this is this is spanning, you know, the whole of the United States. So it's a pretty big, it's a pretty big slice of information. But you've got to understand your customer and and their capacities a little bit before you get into that. I know with the customers I have because Phoenix is a big used car market, uh, and the, the the bigger chains, they're going to have the volume. Yeah. And I could I could easily say, hey, in order to get this pricing, I'd like to see twenty cars a week from this account. I'd like to see 30 cars a week from this account. Um, you may not have that opportunity. Your, your benchmark might be eight cars per week. Yeah. I, I did you something know. similar to that deal, kind of like what you're saying. Um, not quite as in deep because every time I speak to you, I'm, I retain more and more information. You're kind of like a good movie, uh, Dave. Like, you, you know, you, you have to keep coming back and, and watching the movie and, and you see something that you didn't realize you saw the last time. And that's how I look at it. It's how everything is like, you know? Right. Um, now, as far as the, um, as far as, okay, so you, you, you got that part. And now what you, what do you, 
I'm going to be quite honest with you, Dave. I'm calling you out a little bit. But what do you think your closing rate is? Like you had a few dealerships. Obviously, it's working because you you have it on multiple accounts. But what do you think the closing rate is on, in general on on your dealerships when you when you come across a new account? When I come across a new account, I'm going to tell you my closing rate has been pretty high, and I'm not meaning to brag, but well, want, that's because I'm asking. You, so. <laughs> well, I want you and the listeners to hear me out on this. I bring a little different animal to the table because I'm not just the guy in the sack of tools running around popping out dents, right? I walk in, I diffuse that first question, how much, right? That's first and foremost. But then because of my time in the business and, and yours as well, not just mine, but you know, a lot of us, we've gone through additional training classes. We have more to bring to the table than the competitors that we're going up against. And if you walk in and you articulate well, you're presented uh, you know, in, a, in a nice manner, meaning you've got a collared shirt, maybe your company name, certainly your company name embroidered on it, hopefully perhaps your name so they know who you are looking at your shirt. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to see the guy walking in in flip-flops and cut off, you know, jean shorts, right? You need to come in. You need to be presentable. You need to have your, your uh, presentation in order. And then let them know. You don't have to beat your chest, but let them know. Here are a couple of other things I have done. Here are a couple of references I have. And, and examples might be, you know, I'm, I'm the IMI hybrid certified, you know, I passed the EV class with Kevin Andrews. So as an example, that's a slam dunk for me if I pursue someone like Tesla, because Dave Strain and I are the only two hybrid electric certified PDR technicians in the state of Arizona. Now, it sounds bragging, but when you get into it and you start speaking with some authority to your potential customer, hey, I'm the one you want working on your car. I don't, I can't tell you about anyone else, but what I can tell you is I've passed this training. I'm the one that you want if you want to reduce your long-term liabilities. Um, you know, other examples, you know, there, there are a myriad, right? Uh, ICAR has Gloopol, uh, a Gloopol class now online as an example. Kiko has Gloopol classes that you can attend. Um, th there are a myriad of things you can do. The, the pre and post scanning, you know, if you're able to to, to work that in on your, on your uh, sales approach and say, I can take care of this. Hey, if I have to take the door off that Mercedes and I set up the SRS light, I can, I can scan it and I can reset that for you. We don't need to look at shipping it out or having your people do it. There, there are a lot of things that go into it where you can set yourself apart from your potential uh, repairer, <laughs> fellow repairer, not necessarily competitor, but, you know, perhaps a, a fellow repairer in the industry or maybe a competitor. I don't know. Um, I also go after a, a lot of the larger damage uh, and I try to work that metal as quickly as I can and do as best I can for my customers. Some of it on a, on a volume basis is not going to be at the, you know, 100 percent perfect mark, but it's going to be darn good. But I don't I, I very rarely say the word no to my customer. Yeah. No is a it, no is bad. The better way to turn something down, even if even if you walk up and you know you can't fix this thing, the airbags are deployed and it's been rolled over 13 times. The best thing is you can say is I'm going to take a shot at that. Thank I'll you. take a look and I'll let you know. Thank you. Yep. 
Yep. Right. You just, don't just go, no, that can't be done. I, I just had a, I just had a perfect example of that, uh, Dave. So, uh, yesterday, uh, my tech calls me, actually both of them called me, Mike, we got this big smash, man. We don't, you know, I don't think we could do it. They called me. Um, I'm not saying, you know, I don't think it can be done. You know, it's like, well, did you try? No, I go, Listen, they honestly, that's not what they want to hear. They don't want to hear no. They just want to see if you're going to try. That's all they want. And yep. if you don't try, they just want to, they'll call someone else to see if they'll try. And even if the guy doesn't get it out, they appreciate the person who tried. And that's how you lose an account. Is, Absolutely. And I, I think you're 100% right. I think I'm glad you said that because that's a very, very important thing. And I didn't mean to interrupt you with that quick thing, but. Please carry on. I, I no, you're I, fine. That's important. But on the flip side, that's how you make yourself the guru. Yep. In in the eyes of your customer, you make yourself the guru because you took the time to try. I don't care if you pulled that car around back and you drove over to Starbucks and drank coffee for an hour, and you didn't even touch the car. That doesn't matter. It's the perception that you're giving to the customer. Now, I'd like to see you try because you're not going to learn and grow if you don't try. But right. my point is. You don't say the word no to your customer. That's it. It all comes back in how you present to the customer. And again, you can then start throwing in your accolades. Those things and, and the way that you articulate and the information you can give your customer are what will set you apart and then inc increase your closing rate, which was your original question. What's my closing rate? My closing rate has been very successful, but I've been selective on the customers I've gone after. And then separated myself from my fellow repairers slash competitors here in the market. You know, um, I, I'll, I'll mention to them that I'd be happy to go to a customer's home uh, if they had a repair that needed to be done. You know, and they sold the car at five o'clock on Friday and the porter hit the hit the car with a car wash wand. Hey, deliver the car and I'll go to the customer's house Saturday morning for you. I'll be an extension of the dealer's reputation and I'll act accordingly at the customer's home. I'll be polite, articulate. I'll be uh, expedient. I'll explain to the customer my process in, in as much detail or as little detail as they would like. And I'll do the job and I'll take up the rest with the dealer. Now the dealer looks like the hero because they, the, the, uh, they got the dent repaired for the customer. I've acted on uh, behalf of the dealer's reputation. I'm in good faith doing this for the dealer and again, there are little things like that that you can do to separate yourself and and close that potential deal, right? Or close that sale and lock down that account where they don't have an option but to use you. Now, again, you need to be consistent and it's not without hard work, effort and energy. But that's kind of that's kind of why my success rate has been uh, high on the high side. So your, your formula is basically what I'm getting at because I'm, I'm listening to you. I'm getting picturing everything that you're saying. Um, you kind of like you pay attention to the details, don't you, Dave? You know, the small details that make the big difference in the overall service. And that's basically what I, I'm seeing. And it's, it makes sense. You have to. You have to pay attention to those details. Here's, here's an example. This is a very simple one. How many, um, how many of us, and I'm going to raise my hand because I've been guilty of this previously, how many of us aren't in a position or capable to email a proof of our insurance uh, or, or a tax document to our customer immediately. Or if you're soliciting, carrying it in with you in a file, right? So for this Cadillac dealer, 
I marked the name of the Cadillac dealership at the top of a manila file. And I had my presentation, a proof of my insurance, a proof of my uh, hybrid certificate, my tax, uh, what's that, uh, W-9, and a copy of, this is, this is something that I, is probably lesser known in the industry. I passed the IMI PDR certification. Now IMI does the, they're the governing body on the hybrid EV class that, uh, that Kevin and now Vince are doing, right? IMI is the Institute of the Motor Industry and they're a governing body based in the UK. They do a PDR certification for, um, for actually physically repairing the dent yeah. as well. With that certification comes a, uh, an ethics statement that you agree to adhere to as well. And so I carried a copy of that with me and I put that in front of the, the service director. But the, the fact of the matter was I put a little show on because I had it all in this manila envelope or manila file with the Cadillac dealer's name on it, right? As I was, and I'm pretty prepared and paying attention to details, but I wanted them to understand that and know that as well. That's amazing. That's a, I think I did hear you say that too before. Um, now that you got that, how'd you get that PDR certificate on your belt? I thought that's an up and coming thing. You got first dibs at that, didn't you? Well, yeah, I may have gotten some more freaking <laughs> flyer miles for that one. <laughs> that and the, you uh, know what? I really like. Well, you know what? It, what dinged on me as far as uh, as mentioned the thing that you mentioned was taking a picture and showing it to your customer. Like you are, you're a legit professional company and right and you show up and look like you're a professional company you know i can i i can't count i can i can remember years ago we all show, showed up in shorts and t-shirts and unmarked vehicles and and uh you know we just look like we always got mixed up as a customer coming on the lot right you get approached sure. by the by the uh sales people but i i think that's cool i like that little tech tip too i never even thought about that Good. There are a couple of things on the back end for both, you know, wholesale and retail customers as well. You probably hear it as well. I'm sure a lot of our listeners hear it. What forms of payment do you take? And people are blown away. My individual customers are blown away when I tell them cash, check, credit. I do take IOUs because I know where you live now. And then <laughs> I do the I do the social media payment, right? I can accept Apple Pay and PayPal and Venmo and right. And, and Square is an example. I know Mobile Tech RX is taking payments now. Square's good. We have the touchless technology. We have these, these wonderful uh, avenues to accept payment. And people still are blown away when I say I accept all these forms of payment. And, and these are more individuals than, than wholesale accounts. But the individuals are like, really? I'm like, yeah, I'm like a real company. This is a real deal. Right? <laughs> I, I'm like, I'm really incorporated and I actually carry $2 million of liability insurance. I'm a real entity. Yeah. You know, yeah. check me out on the, you know, on the better or not the better business, but on the uh, uh, corporation commission website, which is who you have to register with here in Arizona. So check so, me out. I'm there. You so, know? so it's, it's a legitimate thing as well. Right? Like we're not confused with the customer as a customer, as a vendor on the lot anymore. It's a, it's a new um, you know, it's a new animal that they're dealing with. Well, what you're getting at though, what you're really getting at Dave is if you can't take yourself seriously, how do you expect your customer as well? Right? I mean, that's basically right. what you're saying. you like, you completely treat your company like, well, like it's a Ford, Ford's, you know, one top 100 co uh, company. I mean, you really do. I mean, cause you're not right. going to get that respect if you don't, 
act like you have that respect and you are that, you know, uh, you, exactly. I, so one of my things is too, is, is Dave is listen, if you don't believe in yourself, how do you expect your customers to believe in your company? You know, um, you hit the nail on the head and, and it reflects that, it, it, especially the little details, shall I say, look the customer in the eye. If you, if you can't do it, you tell them why you can't do it, but you don't go into a whole spiel and oversell why you can't do it because then they don't believe it. You know what I mean? The, there's a lot of little things, but you are, you, you, you've got it so composed. It's really, it's really interesting to hear this. It's more than just selling a price at the dealership. It's selling your, you, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to stay composed too, Mike. Don't get me wrong. You get the phone call. You want to go running, right? It's that old, <laughs> we've all heard the, the old adage, you know, the, the bull looks down from the top of the hill and old bull, young bull, right? Yeah. Young bull, yeah. Let's, let's run down there. And, you know, there's a whole <laughs> field of female, you know, females down at the bottom of the hill. Hey, let's run down there and do one. And the old bull's like, Hey, why don't we walk down there and, you know, yeah. do them all. Yeah. Right. But you have to maintain that composure and it's hard to do in the spur of the moment, especially when you're excited, you've got an opportunity and you want to take the ball and run with it. It's hard to maintain composure and, 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 and keep that, that calm level head and you'll get thrown off with other questions because again, you're going up against professional salespeople on that volume piece and they're going to throw you for, they're going to throw a curveball at you every now and then as well. And it's going to throw you off track. It's hard to maintain composure. Yeah. And the thing is, is though, you've got to be, you've got to understand what their game is. What, what are they trying to do? What's their motive? Right. And be, and right. that's why you ask those questions. Um, why are they asking what's the cheapest price? And is it because they get the bonus at the end of the month for the, for keeping their recon down? You know, there's, there's all kinds of things that you need to be aware of, but you can't really get upset. You just have to counter, you know, and yeah. like you said, it's business. Yes. Yeah. It's not personal. It's business. Yes. And that's the, boy, that's another, <laughs> that's another number one rule. It's not personal. It's business. So don't take it personally. Yeah. But that's hard to do sometimes, right? Because we all, sometimes we're guilty of wearing our heart on our sleeve. And, and again, I'm, I'm a sole proprietor and, and my love is my business and I take it personally. And yeah. it's hard to, it's hard sometimes to, 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 to raise up to 25,000 feet and go, you know what? It's not personal. This is business. And here's, here is the true view from 25,000 feet. And I need to act like and operate like a businessman, not like a buddy who's going to go and have a sandwich or tacos with this guy. Now, do you, do you do a set price or is it per car or is it just a vo like the more volume you give me, the better uh, value I can give you? I'm consistent with my volume pricing, Mike, across the board, Okay. plain and simple. I don't want to have uh, I don't want to have a customer or a manager leave one location and go somewhere else and find the prices different. So I have a I have a very set consistent pricing, but I also like to think that I that I take the the accounts that I have my volume accounts have a very similar um, uh, volume, a reconditioning volume, and so. Knowing that going in or knowing that these are those size accounts, then I have uh, kind of a, I, I have a, a whole car cleanup price. And then when we get beyond the parameters of that, and I, I'll go into that, then I have three additional pricing levels based on the size of the damage that we're up against. Great. Yeah. So, 
So for my volume customers, what I like to see is a minimum of 15 cars per week for 50 weeks out of the year. Do you know why? Why? I take two weeks vacation. <laughs> so I like to see <laughs> I like to see a minimum of 15 cars per week out of each of my dealer accounts. And for that, they will receive from me a lot of work. I'm going to bust my butt and give them 110%. But my usual and customary damage overview with a specific price per car is, is the following. So my usual and customary damage is described, Mike, as up to 10 dings or dents per vehicle with, uh, excuse me, up to 10 dings or dents per vehicle, no larger than two inches in diameter with no broken paint or sharp creases. Aluminum and high strength steel panels are subject to a 25% increase plus any additional R&I if necessary. This will exclude hail damage and roof panels and roof rails. So you bring me a car, a hail car with 10 dings on the hood, I'm not doing that for your 85 bucks. That's, that's where I currently am at $85. So that usually in customary, 10 dings or dents going around a used car, real quick, willy nilly, I'm charging my account $85. It's competitive. It might be a touch on the high side here in Phoenix, but no one's arguing with me over 10 bucks, 15 bucks, 12 bucks, eight bucks, one way or the other, right? right? Yeah, I think it's freaking but hell they're of not a deal. Arguing, they're not arguing with me. It is a hell of a deal, but they're not arguing with me because they also know the back end that I've already pre-sold them on, or they know my credentials, right? Yeah. They know that if they need something, all you have to do is pick up the phone and call me and I'll make it happen. But that takes time. It didn't happen overnight, but I've earned that understanding and trust and relationship. So when you get beyond that two-inch damage, and Mike, listen, if you're going to give me 20 cars, 15 cars, 10 cars, 18 cars, 30 cars, again, that, that, that number will fluctuate. It just is what it is on a weekly basis. But if I know by the end of the month you're going you're gonna to be darn close or exceed I'm not going to nickel and dime, and all of a sudden, this one particular car on Wednesday, you know, has a dent that's two point, you know, three inches long. I'm not going to nickel and dime. I'm going to fix that. Yeah. You, you, you're going to, I think everybody, I hope all the listeners understand that. But when you get into some larger damage, and I define it, I, I've put lines in the sand. Now, again, this is a guide. This is not definitive. But I put lines in the sand in terms of defining the damage in case you need to come back to it or revisit or someone thinks there's an issue. Yeah, I'm going to get into that in a minute as well. But damage that exceeds that two-inch mark. So go back. Remember, my usual and customary damage, Mike, is uh, damage that is two inches in diameter or smaller. When we exceed that, my verbiage is this. Damage that exceeds two inches in size requiring additional time and expertise to repair properly. Did you hear that? Yes, I did. That is absolute fact, right? And the bigger we go, the more time and expertise it requires to do the damage. I don't care if you're doing basketball size dents all day. That's a hell of a lot more uh, time and expertise needed than just fixing your normal door dent. But well, you're also getting so, getting paid now finally worth your the value of your time and your you, service. But you begin to get paid. Right, exactly. Yeah. So my dents increases that are two to four inches. I have a, a price 
of $125 per dent. Yeah. Dents increases that are five inches to eight inches, I bump up to 225. And then dents increases that are nine to 12 inches, I bump up to 325. So let's go back and look at this. If I have a car that the left side just has all door dents, you got a couple in the fender, a couple in this door, a couple in the quarter, that's 85 bucks. And now there's a four inch crease on the, on the fender on the right side, that's 125. How much money did I just make? Well, over, over two hundo. Over two hundo per car. And a lot of guys, a lot of us, I shouldn't even say guys, guys and gals, a lot of us listening and, and operating in this capacity are like, I can't get 200 a car. Mm, okay, I disagree with you. It's all in how you present it and showcase it. You may not want to. It may not need to be 200, 215, 225 a car. Your right number in your market might be 185. But it's not going to be that $30, $40, $50 a car mark. The beautiful thing, Mobile Tech RX and everybody's smartphone, whether or not you do or don't use the, the invoicing software, your mobile phone can take amazing photos. You can document what you have. And that is priceless. And you know what? That you, is a game changer. You're right. How many of the competitors use that feature? Now, are you talking about the part with the ruler where you can mark it and then show them exactly how long it is? Because you could do that you, too. You can use the measuring feature as well. Absolutely. Yeah. There are multiple ways to do that. But my point is then you document everything you've done. Yeah. yeah. And that is absolutely a game changer. I talk to the wheel guys. I talk to the paint guys, the glass guys, the headlight guys. No one is using the technology that is at their fingertips. So let me let me recap what you're just saying basically. So you are you are basically number one, you're well, the main thing is you are drawing a line which is you are having stipulations. You're you're keeping them from taking advantage of your pricing system. because um, who knows, they could go out a manager that I, that did this happen to me. Oh, you want to do it for this amount of price? Okay, cool. Next thing you know, he goes to the auction. He's bringing back train wreck after train wreck, expecting me to do it for that price that I thought I was going to give him a good deal. And I thought I was going to get tons of volume, which I did, but I got tons of train wrecks, which I ended up rethinking. And I lost the account because I said, F that. I'm not doing that for that much. And right. so you drew a line on that. And then the other thing is you're justifying that the re that's why you're getting paid for what you're getting. So nobody, they can look, go back and look, well, what'd you charge for this? But you, so you're justifying what you did and documenting. I have, I have the backup because I have the documentation. Yeah. And I'm going to say this, and this is now, this is, this is, boy, I have to be careful how I present this. More often than not, Mike, when I present and show what I do and how I do, more often than not, it doesn't happen right away, but more often than not, I end up with um, a customer. Now, by customer, I mean a used car director, used car manager, inventory manager, whoever's in charge of approving the repairs. More often than not, I can get free reign at that account because I can back up and document everything I've done. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
It also builds and trust I, too, right? I mean, that's I've the built thing. trust, yeah. but I've got the backup for the trust that I'm building. Yep. Right. It is, it is one of those things that becomes this beautiful underscore of the technology we have, but it's overlooked where you could end up with carte blanche at your Mercedes account, at your Nissan account, at whatever, at, at, at you know, Harry's used cars superstore, right? You could build trust, back it up, and end up with carte blanche at that account where all of a sudden you think, wow, I can't believe this has happened. Now, I'm going to caution everybody, do not take advantage of that and don't start blowing up your photos to make it look like a thumbtack size dent is five inches. That's yeah. going to bite you in the ass. Yeah. But you can build that confidence and that trust and take the technology, the information, your presentation, your skills, your accolades, and set yourself apart from your competitor in a New York second and build your business and not worry about wholesale at 40 bucks a car because Joe shit the ragman has a sack of tools and he's the cousin's uncle's nephew's brother's, you know, dog sitter of the dealership, right? Yeah. You don't need to worry about that, that uh, eighth degree coming back to get you because you've already set forth and built your uh, uh, system. Love it. Love it. Now, can, can you give, can you get, I, I just want to hear one thing. Cause this is probably the, it's probably the number one question I get from my students or anybody else out there that maybe wants to go out and get some wholesale work. What is your approach when you cold Turkey, you come in there and drop your card off. What's your opening line? Or how do you get your foot in the door? Basically, Dave. How's your mom? I saw her last night. <laughs> Stupid. That'll get you noticed. <laughs> That'll get you booted real quick, too. <laughs> <laughs> you might get a bloody nose with that one. Yeah. In Arizona, you might get shot. Yeah. Anyway, what, what's your opening line? You, you need to, your opening, Mike, your opening line yeah. needs to be you opened your laptop and you did your diligence on that, on that account. You need to look it up find out who the owner is, who the principals are, go through their contact page, look and see who the, who the staff is. I think sometimes it's almost worthwhile walking in and talking to a service advisor or salesman and, and picking their brain almost as if you are a customer and just getting a little heads up information, right? You've got to do your diligence and walk in prepared. You cannot, in today's day and age, you cannot walk in and go, uh, yeah. Uh, who's the used car manager here? Yeah. That, that, right. That, I mean, it just, you, you, it doesn't fly anymore because all that information is at our fingertips, right? I, I literally, it's at our fingertips. If you do a little diligence and, and, and research. And so I think your opening line, you, you've got to be, you've got to be, um, you've got to be humble. You've got to be gracious. And don't beat your chest and tell them what you can do. Your opening line has to be uh, something along the lines of, uh, uh, hi, Mr. Mr. Toledo. Uh, I'm David Shalott. I'm with Professional Dent Repair. I understand you probably have a relationship already. If there's something I could do for you, I'd be happy to help. Would you mind if I left you a business card? I noticed there were. And again, this may, maybe, maybe I didn't make this clear. Uh, maybe, maybe you walked a lot before you go in. 
I noticed there were a couple of large dents that are on your lot. Are you intending on having your current vendor take care of those, or is that something they couldn't do? There are a myriad of ways, Mike, yeah. where you can do that, but you've got to be humble and polite. You've got to expect that door to get slammed on your nose, right? Yep. yep. Period. Because they've got a guy. They've got a backup. They've got a cousin. They've got a brother. These people have two and three and four and five backups. So you've got to be persistent, but you've got to be polite to start. You can ramp it up from there. You can be polite. You can walk out and they can throw your business card in the trash on day one, your first visit, right? You come back in. Uh, maybe you change your approach. Maybe you have some postcards made up that have, or I'll call them picture cards, but they're postcard size, three by five, that have a couple of before and afters of what you've done that showcase your, your best work. Um, you come back on day three, right? And, and not sequential days, but maybe it's the third week or the fifth week later and you, you're still persistent and you introduce yourself again and you say, is there something I can do uh, to, to win your business? Is there something your current vendor isn't doing? You need to start asking questions. You don't throw stones, but you ask questions that are geared to get them thinking, right? Is there something that your current vendor isn't providing for you? Yeah. I haven't just said Mike Polito's an asshole dent guy. <laughs> what I said was, is there something your current vendor isn't doing? How can I change my business and help you, right? It's a question. The, the one thing I think they don't, there are millions of people soliciting these dealers in all the departments all day, every day, right? You got your finance guy, your insurance people selling everything under the sun. You've got the used car people, the Carfax, you know, there's everybody moving in, in and out of these dealerships with all kinds of things. You need to be patient. You need to be, uh, you need to have a concise message. But then when it gets to that third visit, then you can start to ask a little more aggressive question like, is there something that your current vendor isn't providing that I can help with? Yeah. You're not, you're not calling the guy out. You're not telling your, your potential customer that the competitor is a, is a knucklehead. But what you're asking for is information so that you can help formulate your model to, to, uh, to attract that customer. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, it's definitely some people skills for sure. Communication and understanding the terminology, uh, uh, their lingo and body language. Like you said, you can't pound your chest and act like you're the world's greatest PDR tech because that turns them off. I mean, like, like crazy. They've Even, already got that. They already think their guy's the best. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, pounding your chest is not going to do anything other than make you look like Tarzan. Yep. Yep. I, I the final, the final thing you can say, <laughs> and this is the, this is the bull in the China shop. When they throw you out on the third day and you walk back in on the fourth day, you need to ask them, hey, what's a good day for me to come and walk your lot? <laughs> that takes a set of balls, Mike. Yeah. yeah because you've been thrown out of there four times, three times previously. Hey, what's a good day next week for me to come walk your lot? <laughs> they don't know how to answer that question, Mike. I tell you, unless they are so fiercely loyal and they have the relationship that I, that I've built, that I've just kind of gone over with you and, and not mine, not mine, but there are a lot of very, very good, fiercely loyal, uh, PDR technician, wholesale customer relationships in this country, right? It is, yeah. 
it's not mine. That's not my point. My point is there are a lot of those that exist. But if you think you have that chance, you ha at this point, you have nothing to lose. Hey, Mike, what's good? What's a good day next week for me to come walk your lot? The guy will not, uh, the guy, I'll call it guy, the used car director, pre-car, you know, pre-owned manager, whatever, they won't know how to react to that question. And they'll come out with a day. The only follow-up is you need to make sure that that's not their day off. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think it's, I think it's all the, the information if you've been dropping is, is, is awesome, Dave. That's why, that's why I called you, man. This is, this is great. And this is really good for anybody who's new to the game, trying to get in or wants to perhaps get in there, all the little tips. And basically you're, you're not letting these dealerships, wholesale accounts or volume accounts take advantage of you. That's basically what it is. And you're getting, and you're not dropping your pants and, and uh, disrespecting yourself either. You, you can't. And you disrespect the industry as well because we've all trained so hard to get to where we are. This is the hardest thing I ever learned to do, quite honestly. I, I, right? I agree. I agree. The next hardest thing I ever did was build the business, <laughs> right? <laughs> And, and it was it was handed to me on a silver platter because nobody knew what dent repair was in 1991, right? That was easy. Yeah. What? You can do what? Well, show me. Okay, good. Oh, that's amazing. Here's a purchase order. Okay, good. It, it was like it, it was like printing money early, right? You remember those days? Yes, I do. Uh, uh, Sal remembers those days. A lot of guys do, right? It's it's uh, building the business though now, boy. It's one thing to learn the trade and, and, and have the ability to fix dents. It's another thing to build a business now in today's uh, age with everything going on, with the competition, uh, with the kind of uh, uh, you know, brash attitude of, of used car departments. It's, it's tough. It's tough. If I were new today, ooh, I know. Boy, I, know, I don't I, know what I'd do. Well, it's like I said, it's you got to kind of have a um, not be afraid of saying not being afraid of the hearing the word no, believing yourself, understanding your market really well. And 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 like you said, being prepared when you come into those things, because they it will eat you. Those used car managers will eat the hell out of you. I mean, they'll they'll chew you up and spit you out wet and slimy. So the uh, car business is tough, period. I You know. Could you imagine being a service advisor right now? No. I and working bell to bell and being in at 6.30 in the morning, which means you'd have to leave your house at what, like 2.30 in the morning in California, get to your dealership <laughs> um, on, a norm, on a normal traffic day, yeah. right? And then slaving and calling customers that are ticked off, their cars broke down, and, and they don't have the cash to repair it. And you're telling them, hey, listen, you need brakes. You know, and selling these selling these repairs and then not leaving the place until six o'clock at night when retail's done and the customers have picked up their car. It's it's a I'm telling you, it's a grind. The car business is a grind, period. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not I'm not generalizing. I, I guess I am. But I, I'm not meaning to make it negative. Right. What I'm saying, though, is it's a grind. And our part of it is is. It, exactly it is what it is it's a part of the industry and it's an industry on that on that volume piece on that wholesale piece with those customers and those same owners and managers mike are absolutely grinding and berating 
their own employees, including the service advisors, the salesmen, the finance people, the office people. It's it's a it's a they suck the life out of you. They do, and you they and you, and you can't blame them. What you're, no, you can't. It's business. It's not personal. It's yeah. business. Yeah. The shareholders want their return on their investment. Yeah. But the same thing, you know, again, you defend yourself. You build the wall. You give the parameters. You say, this is what I will do. End of discussion. You put that line in the sand. Now, again, very good customers. You know, I know, will all go above and beyond for because they're loyal. They'll give us the work, and it's okay. We'll take a few extra minutes out of our day to take care of them. But they, they do it to everyone. It's not just the dent guys. They do it to everyone. They do it to the wheel guys. They do it to their own employees. They do it to the, they do it to the contractors that come on and dig up the sewer line and put in new pipe. It yeah. just is what it is. It's, it's, it, it's what they have been bred to believe and what they also preach. They are, you know, they are demanding individuals in all respects. Well, I appreciate you defending them so we can help understand uh, their their nature uh, a bit more, have a little bit of compassion and, and a little bit of more, shall I say, uh, like you said, prepare. Be prepared yeah. on, on what, you what to expect. need to be prepared. How, yeah. how can you help them? How can you make their life easier? Can I take a photo on my phone, attach that photo to my invoice, and email it to you? Oh my God, you can do that. Well, then you have the backup that the damage was there. And if I walk out and look and the damage is gone, good. Well, and, and, I mean, and, there, and there's some simplicity too. And, and the little small things, like you said, like the small in talking their terminology, look, I understand that look, and even if you got another dent guy, I, I just want to let you know, I am capable of doing, you know, more damage to help you reduce your body shop cost as well. You know, we don't, we don't say no to anything. We give it a shot. And we want to make sure that you understand that we're capable to help you save money in the long run. That's what it's all about. And we're reliable. We're professional. And we even go to the customers' houses if you need us to. I, I just I, I do that stuff too right there. And it's just like you say the 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 words that make them go ding, you know, because those are all situations we're familiar with, you know, with, sure. when they sure. when they know that. Um, and, and I'd like to I'd like to throw one more little tidbit out. Yeah. Certainly, certainly on this volume wholesale piece, if you get into the conversation with the used car manager, director, whoever handles the auction sales, buying at the dealership, hey, how about we clean up? How about we clean up that car, and it will raise the rating. If you're doing a, if you're doing an inspection on that car at the auction, if we do the PDR cleanup, it's going to raise that rating on the car inside Mannheim or Odessa or your auction, if you're going to do a condition report on that car, it's going to raise uh, the the uh, rating on that car by X, yeah. another star, another point, because it doesn't have this additional damage. Is that not worth an extra 85 bucks? So even the cars that are being wholesaled out, and, I, and by wholesale, I mean going to the auction wholesaled out, is it not worth the avenue and let's let's call it 85 bucks i don't care it's 50 bucks 100 bucks whatever your cleanup price is again based on your market is it not worth that little uh, ounce of prevention for the pound of cure or to increase the condition report rating on a car at an auction if you're going to wholesale it out and now you've just increased your your uh, 
uh, audience in terms of uh, number of vehicles that you may have exposure to. Yeah. But you've got to know that lingo with the auction and the wholesale piece. That's right. That's what I try to say. And 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 the other lingo is like he goes, oh, no, no, I, I got too much money into that car. What? Well, what about this? What? What about if we just charge it on on this car? I'll take a little bit of money and put it on this car, and then we'll put it on this car. And then you're like, well, then oh yeah, yeah, we could do that. You see, and yeah. you've got to know the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you want to play it well. You know? and, and I don't, Mike. I don't want to be all wholesale slash volume. Okay, yeah. that's not my bag. Yeah. I love my diversity, but if you can go to one place and you can get 10 cars there and then you expand that and you get another two or three from the buyer uh, or seller at the auction that may or may not be a different department than the used car manager. That's, you know, uh, it's a a individual piece at the, at the account you're at, but all of a sudden you end up with what you thought was going to be 10 cars that day and you end up with 13 uh, or thir- is it worth your time to go to one place for 13 cars? Yes, the volume discount is there. Or is it worth your time to drive to, you know, how many retail appointments could you do in a day? Five? Yeah, well, give or take. Yeah. Six? Five, depending five or six, on, yeah. Depending on the, on the, the damage, damage. And, the, and so on, right? Is it worth your time to go and do 13 at one place and maybe pick up a retail or two? Either either early in the morning or in the afternoon, or is it is it is it smarter to be uh, uh, putting the windshield hours on, trying to trying to get the five different people through the day and and clobber them for two hundred and fifty bucks a piece? I, I don't know the answer. Everybody has to answer that themselves. I'm not I'm not pitting wholesale versus retail, yeah. but my point is I'm making the suggestion that whilst wholesale has become kind of backseat it's really nice to be able to go to a place have the parameters in place set up shop get your umbrella out for me in phoenix obviously i get an umbrella out and and get going on what's going to be a really productive day with limited windshield time is my point right running a route business as we most of us do to some extent, yeah. whether you do or don't have a physical location, chances are you're still going to have some tools in your vehicle and maybe make a run here or there. But certainly for me, as a, as a primarily volume wholesale uh, 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 vendor, windshield time is a killer for me. Well, I I I basically want to say that this is this is a great great podcast uh, it's always more than more information than than i than i assumed that you're going to give and um yeah it's great dave i really appreciate you coming on here man this is really can great. i make a confession absolutely i broke a dual pane window today you, is that well how many times have you joined that club i've been fixing dents a long time mike more than i will admit <laughs> You know why? Because shit happens, and I do more than I should. How how did it happen? Uh, It was a Nissan. uh, Did you know the Nissan Rogue? Thank you very much. I broke the same window. Has a has a dual pane glass. Yep, I broke it. (laughs) Actually, and just and actually, I don't want to say I did. I didn't actually do it. My my student, he broke it, and then I realized that he worked on the other side, and we looked at that one, rolled it up, and he broke that one too. And twofer. Yeah, and we it was a Nissan Rogue, and never suspected it. Never suspected it. Yeah, 
I know. I'm usually I'm, I'm a part of again. I'm I'm a very kind of procedural character when I get into my groove. Yeah. Right. And I always roll down the windows and I always grab the top edge of the driver's window as it's going down. Yeah. 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 Okay. This is, this is just what I do as a part of my, my, just my character trait or my process. I did two rogues back to back. The first one did not have dual pane windows in the front. <laughs> it was the year, right? And, yeah. 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 And I could, I could look it up on, on MTRX. I won't give you the years cause I'll take too long to look it up. But sure enough, the first one I did today, bam, 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 bam. No problem. Roll the windows up back to the front lot. The second one I grabbed super dropped the windows down. I didn't even bother. I don't know why Mike, I just, I had a moment, right? And I had done everything. I, I was on the second to last panel on the car. And I've heard the dual panes crack before, and I know the sound. And it doesn't shatter like a regular window. It just goes. Yeah. Right? It's that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and I had rolled the window down all the way. And I have a process. You've seen everybody posting every possible conceivable approach to dual pane windows. I don't even roll the windows down all the way. That is my piece. I understand that window so well. I don't do it. And sure enough, I rolled the windows down, jammed my wedge in, no problem. I started picking the dent, got through the first one. The second one was under the door handle, got through that. I'm back on the third little ding on this car, and I hear that, and I'm like, ooh, that didn't sound good. <laughs> yeah. And I don't work with headphones on at a dealer lot. That's just not me. I'm conscious. I, I, I'm conscious of my surroundings, that sound. And I'm like, that didn't sound good. And I finished the dent and I'm like, and then I looked in at the wedge and I saw the two panes of glass at the top of the, you know, at the top of the door at, at the wedge. And I'm like, Oh shit. Did, I know what that is. You were using the new wedge light. Uh, I was not using the new wedge light. I didn't need it for this one in particular. So I just threw my old regular nylon wedge in. <laughs> the wedge didn't break the glass. It was my tool that caught the top edge of the window. Yeah, geez, it, it's always... It, uh, it is what it is, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, here, here. So here, you guys want to hear something, everybody, all the listeners. You know, the first thing I did, I rolled that window up and I took it back on the lot and denied everything. No, that's not what I did. <laughs> the first, The first thing I did, again... It's how you present it. The first thing I did was go to the inventory manager and say, do you have a moment? I'd like you to take a look at something with me. Right. I didn't walk in there and go, Hey, I broke a fucking window. Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's all in your presentation and your, and your delivery. Hey, do you have a free minute? Can you walk with me? Can we take a look at something real quick? He's like, yeah, is it bad? I go, that's the time when you disclose it. I go, yeah, it's bad. Cause I did it. <laughs> right that's the time to say that and have that jovial offsetting piece but it's all in how you deliver it hey yeah. tell me how i can make tell me i don't have a relationship with your glass company do you want your people to handle this do you want to have your internal technicians handle it i'm happy to pay your rate you define it it is what it is do you want me to look into doing the glass myself? Do you want me to order the part? Do you want me to call the glass guy? How do you want to handle this? Again, it's that presentation and dialogue. 
And he said, don't worry about it. We'll get the glass ordered. I'll have my used car tech handle it because that'll be cheaper than the, than the, you know, full bore retail mechanic because they'll have their internal rate. And I'm like, that's fine. Good. And quite honestly, Mike, I think for all of us, I don't need to worry about chasing down a piece of Nissan glass. No, no. I, I think right? the, important, the important part was that you brought it to their attention and, 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 their and, attention and, 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 and took it up. responsibility. Yep. yep. They now know I'm as honest as the day is long. Yeah. And there are two things I did. And, and this same dealership, I did, I did take a, a Mercedes door off and I set up the SRS light. And that was an easy one. They, they're tech. It's a, it's a BMW dealer. So, you know, it was easy for them to plug and play with the German car and, and reset the SRS light. But I disconnected the wiring harness, took the door off because the dent was down very low at the front edge of the door. I pulled the door off and put it on my, on my hood stand and, and fixed the dent. But I didn't follow whatever the procedure is to, to not have the SRS light. Yeah. I took the key away from the car. It just that Mercedes just doesn't like being unplugged. They're, they're, they're a stickler little automobile, but that's another issue. But, you know, I owned up to both of those. They didn't charge me for the SRS light because it took their guy, you know, 10 minutes to plug in the, the scanner and reset the code. That was easy. But, you know, I, I owned up to the mistakes that happened. It is what it is. Again, now I have honesty. There's value in that. There's, there's trust that I've built. And, and integrity and along with all the uh, justifications and, and a little bit of the, basically, you gave us some insight about the dealership, the dealer, the, vol, the we call them the volume uh, accounts. A volume account, yes. Yeah. yeah, I like that. I like that. I like that. I think that's a better choice of words because you're not going to alienate the other customer. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. You are an individual customer if you have one car or two cars in your garage or even you bring your daughter and your son and you got four cars for me on Saturday morning, you're an individual customer. I can cut you a little break, but my break point, generally speaking, is at this volume piece. And we've all heard that call, right? Oh, I can get you a lot of business. Okay. After you get me a lot of business, then I'll... That's exactly what I say to him. Then I'll grant you your rebate. Exactly. I, I, right? I need volume. Because for... everybody calls with that. Not everybody, but we've all heard that in the industry. Oh, yeah, I'm a wholesaler. I can get you a lot of work. Shouldn't All have right. said that. Well, a lot of work is 15 to 20 cars per week, 50 weeks out of the year because I take two weeks vacation. That's what I do. I right. give them the go away uh, answer uh, yeah. exactly like that. Uh, and I don't, I don't mean it to be arrogant, but listen, if you want to play ball, then if you tell me you can bring a lot of cars, bring a lot of cars. If not, I'm going to go to, you know. Uh, the the Toyota store and the BMW store that I know that are selling 500 used cars between the two of them because I know I've got work and got volume there. Yeah, and and when someone calls me and says they're a uh, they're a wholesaler, and I just I I'm thinking bottom feeder all the way all the way in my head, you know, um, because they want something for nothing and yada yada. We all know who that is. I, can I tell you one a quick of my story and then then we'll we'll let the, we'll wrap this up. Absolutely. Uh, so back in the day when I was <clears throat> a lot younger and. I decided to take a drill in this quarter panel and I started drilling. What kind of car? Hang on, hang on. I, it was uh it was a Toyota. Don't tell me it was a 911. No, it was a it was a, it was a, I forgot it was a truck or a, I I can't remember honestly, Dave, but I should have died doing this thing because I drilled up in there and I'm sticking my tool and all of a sudden I smell gas, right? <laughs> you know what happened is I drilled into the freaking where the gas line where the where you put in the gas filler 
and that that pipe that goes into the into the tank i accidentally drilled through that <laughs> and i should have because of the drill you know making all that heat should have made a spark i should have made a spark. i should have been caught on fire that's what it should have done but and and uh i'm not anyways long story short uh i <laughs> i didn't tell the manager this is way 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 back back and i just i took a i took some silicone and i took a plug and i plugged it <laughs> and, and i and i was not honest back then so um Car's still on the road today uh yeah that's that's the old that's true life stories of the, of the teenage all, dent we've guy all, we've all probably had some shady things we've done with mike uh, well you know i just thought like i'm not telling i'm not i'm not telling everybody they should do that and i'm not telling i would never tell anybody to do that but we we lived and learn and um you know that's the that's the beauty there you go you nailed it we've lived and learned yes yeah well dave I, and, and and as a parent mike both of us as a parent oh i'm still learning it's a, no <laughs> <laughs> i am too i am too but we all you know as the parent figure right not you know probably when you did did that and drilled through the fuel line you probably weren't a parent at that point yeah you know, as a parent, we know and we finally come to the realization and maturity level that it's so much easier to tell the truth. Yeah, it, it is. And plus, you don't have that conscience. <laughs> you don't have that pro that conscience on you. So No, and you don't have to continue your, your facade of lies and then try and remember what the lie was to whomever the next person in line is. It, it, it just, that's right. Lying is hard. No, you can always remember the truth, but you can't always remember the lies. And lying is hard. Yeah. Yeah. Right, it is. I'm a horrible liar. My wife tells me this. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let me tell you something too. I don't, that's that's why I, I just I can't. I don't. My I wife asked me to look in their eyes. She doesn't even give me a chance. Don't even try it. She's so. Filipino. She's badass. <laughs> <laughs> she is, man. Dave, I I want to say thanks again, man. Taking your time out of your. I know you're thank very you. you're a busy man and a fa more busier family man. And uh, thank you very much, David. Appreciate you taking that taking uh, my call at the last minute, man. Of course, great to speak with you. I'm happy to help, and and I hope for uh, I hope for the uh, uh, the fellow you were speaking to earlier up in Duluth. I hope this helps. Uh, oh, he's gonna again. There's this uh, I, I, final final word here. We all saw. Well, I shouldn't say we all saw. Those of us who are using Mobile Tech RX saw that Paul Corden raised his pricing three percent on the retail pricing guide. Yes, there's an in, there's an increase on the wholesale pricing guide as well. And again, that's something I advocate. And this is my final, I'm sorry, my final two cents of wisdom, which is maybe not what it's worth. Um, you know, through the years, as you go on, everything you've got to, this is business, not personal. Yes, I know you get into these relationships. You have, you know, you can, you can go have a beer with a used car manager, blah, blah, blah. You need to be cautious and guarded with that because it becomes a different animal. But look at the world around you. Look at your property taxes. Look at your auto insurance, your homeowner's insurance. Look at what goes up in price. Look at your cell phone bill. Look at the cost of a laptop. Look at these things that are, you know, your continuing expenses in the world and in life. Things go up. Absolutely. We, as an industry, have had a hard time in, in overcoming that. And you probably heard me before Mike saying another podcast or two, Hey, come the first of the year, 
sit down and have a business review with your people and say, my prices are going up 3%. 3% not going to break the bank. And if they throw you out, they weren't your customer. 3% is easy. It's better, it's better than saying 10% a two or three years later. Absolutely. But if you go up 3% on a $75 dent, you're up to $77.25. If somebody throws you out over $2.25, ask them how many times they stop at Starbucks every week, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's so minimal and so easy to do. So now our, now our $150 Paul Corden one-inch dent retail went to what, $156.25 or something like that, whatever 3% is. Something like that, right? It's, it's a beautiful piece. It's, it's a small adjustment. It's a tiny bump. But then all of a sudden, you, you go through that two, three, four, five years in a row. And maybe not every year, but you do, you do something accordingly. And now all of a sudden, your 75 turns into 85. Or your 85 goes to 97, right? It's all of a sudden, you're like, wow, that was actually kind of easy. And, and, that, and that's just not wholesale. It's, it's all around. I mean, it's, it's, it's all around. It's absolutely. It's called cost of living. I mean, things, things go up. You know, you can program in your R&I labor on, on uh, Mobile Tech RX, right? Yeah. Hey, whatever your prevailing body labor rate is, that's fine. There's also a prevailing mechanical labor rate that's higher than your body rate in your market. I can guarantee that, period. Hey, this, this is a great, great podcast, man. I think it's one of my best ones of the year. To be, who says you have to be lower than the prevailing body labor rate? If you want to get the headliner dropped at the Lexus dealer, it's $165 an hour labor rate. Yeah. yeah. It's not 58 bucks an hour or 48 bucks an hour body labor. It's 165 mechanical labor for the mechanical, for, for the mechanic to take the headliner out. Yeah. Right? 5.7 hours on a, on a Lexus headliner on a big one. That's great. 5.7 hours at 165 an hour. There, there are things you can do where you can make small adjustments. You don't have to be 165 an hour, but you don't have to be 32 bucks an hour either, right? No. You can make small adjustments and then tag on a little R&I time here and there, and it gets spit out on the invoice. And who's going to argue with an invoice that comes out on Mobile Tech RX? It's so concise and beautiful. I've never had anybody argue with me. They'll say that I think about it. Me, I'll get back to you, but they're not asking me to lower the price because I'm not the bad guy. The price guide is. No, it's not. Yeah, you're, you have the most concise estimate and invoice in the industry. Yep. Yep. All right. For the third time, Dave, we are out of here. We're done. <laughs> I'm done with you. <laughs> I'm done with you, too. <laughs> Dave, I, I, thank, thank you for reaching out. You got it, Dave. And thank you again. And, and, I, and I hope you listen to this podcast again. And if you want to reference it, if you need to, anybody to recap what you said. So I hope the listeners, I hope the listeners get a lot. And if anybody wants to reach out, please feel free, reach out anytime. My phone's always on. I'll be happy to help anyone. Uh, how can they get a hold of you? You want them to email you or private message you? How do you, how do they want, how can they get a hold of you? Whatever's, whatever's easiest for them you can find me bigdentdave.com no not yeah bigdentdave.com no that's a lie <laughs> maybe there is a landing page i don't know I'm on, i i don't know anymore i can't remember all these things we were talking about that at the beginning weren't we yeah um there is a there is a facebook page big dent dave uh i am david shalott my cell phone 602-397-4201 professional dent repair in phoenix arizona is my company I'm David at ProDentAZ for an email. 
that's pretty much it. Yeah. Shoot me a text, call me, whatever. I'm I'm happy to help. I'll hold right, you have later. Have a great night. Give Mary a hug from us and the kids too. I will, Dave. Take care, bro. And tell tell that little Aven to keep swimming, huh? I will. Yeah, he is. Thanks, dude. Talk, talk to you later. Right, buddy. See ya. Good talk to you. Bye. See you, Mike. Well, look at that. All right. So we have Dave Shalott. Uh, I can't say nothing uh, more than how much of a stand-up guy that is. Uh, he works his butt off uh, like crazy all week at the dealership, sometimes on Saturdays doing his, uh, his retail stuff. And then uh, at night, he's dedicated to his family, and he has a special needs son too as well. And uh, I just watch him. I, I tenacious, never complains about, ever makes any excuses. Just works hard, and he's. I'm glad he, he's one of my friends. So thank you, Dave. If you're when if you listen to this again and and hear me, but uh, that that's pretty much it. And I, I, I was going to talk about other stuff, but I think this podcast is a little later, so I'll save all the other good stuff uh, for uh, another podcast uh, a couple weeks from now. And uh, then we'll bring Christopher Ray on here and talk about some, uh, some video stuff that possibly that you would like to know and YouTube. We'll talk about some YouTube things. Uh, so I think that'll be an awesome topic uh, to touch base on as far as what you should do to help uh, get your channels straight and not just try to get like popular, but popular in your industry, in your area. Uh, so you can get more customers. All right. Uh, I think that's going to be, I'd say pretty much we're going to wrap it. All right. You guys can check me out on Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. Please give a like, tell me what you guys think and we'll catch you later. Don't do anything I wouldn't do twice.